Chapter Four, Part One of Junior Classics, Volume Two: Folktales and Myths. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by phone. Junior Classics, Volume Two: Folktales and Myths by William Patton. Three Tales of the Rhine, Part One: The Lady of Kynast by Xavier B. Saintine. The Lady of Kynast owned a large domain, and on this domain a ruined old tower which stood on the summit of a steep high rock surrounded on all sides by a deep abyss. Rich, young, and beautiful, eagerly sought for by a number of admirers, the Lady of Kynast did not think, in her desire to keep them from becoming too pressing, of undertaking an endless piece of embroidery, like Penelope. She did not embroider. In fact, she looked with contempt and almost with disgust upon every kind of work that was done by women. She told her admirers that she was betrothed to Kynast, this was the name of the old tower, and that any one who thought of winning her good graces would first have to compete with her betrothed. To do this, nothing was required but to climb up the rock in the tower, and having reached the battlements, to make a complete round, not on foot, however, or assisted by the hands and knees, but on horseback, without other assistance than the bridle. The flock of lovers took flight instantly. Only two remained, two brothers who had completely lost their heads. After having cast lots, the first one attempted the task and seemed on the point of being successful. But that was all. He had no sooner reached the crenellated top of the old tower than he was seized with vertigo and instantly fell into the abyss. The second brother, in his turn, climbed to the top and actually succeeded in riding some distance along the battlements, but soon his horse, feeling the stone slipping from under its hoofs, and the whole tower rocking under the weight, refused to go on. Determined to carry through the undertaking, he encouraged his horse with his voice and with his spurs, but the poor animal remained immovable, apparently wedged in between the large stones of the tower. In the morning both horse and rider had disappeared. For quite a while, no other claimants appeared to woo the fair lady, when suddenly one day a third lover presented himself, and asked leave to attempt a trial. She did not know who it was, and this surprised her, for how could he have fallen in love with her? He might possibly have seen her on her balcony, or at some royal feast. Perhaps he was only allured by a great reputation. However, there was nothing to lose by accepting the offer. For some days, a thick heavy fog had shrouded the castle and the old tavern from top to bottom, so as to make the ascent impossible. The simple laws of hospitality required, therefore, that the lady should offer her castle to the newly arrived knight. He proved to be a handsome man with a fine commanding figure, and the large number of his servants bespoke his high rank and large fortune. During three days he spent almost all his time with the young lady, but as yet he had not dared say a word of his love. On her side, however, the young lady felt herself gradually conquered by a feeling which had, until now, been unknown to her heart. When the dense veil of mist was at length torn aside and the kindness shone forth in its full splendour, she was on the point of telling the knight that she would not insist on the trial in his case. When the moment came, the lady of Kynast felt her heart fail her. She shut herself in, she wept and she cried, and prayed that he might be successful. Loud clamours were heard below, and as she thought the spectators were bewailing the death of her last lover, she fainted away. 
Cries of joy and triumph roused her again. The knight had successfully accomplished the task. Overcome, she rushes to meet him, and in her excitement she forgets that all eyes are upon her, and breathlessly cries out, My hand is yours! But he draws himself up to his full height, and haughtily and harshly he replies, with a proud smile, Have I ever asked you for your hand? I only came to avenge my two brothers, whom you have killed, and I have done it, for I do not, could not, love you, and yet you love me. Farewell. That same evening, the wretched lady had herself conducted up to the top of the tower, from whence she wished, she said, to watch the setting sun. She was never seen alive again. End of chapter 4, part 1. Recording by phone.